we, we, we want to make sure you know how to quote the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want he making me to lie down in green pastures you restore my soul he leads me in the paths of righteousness yea though I walk through the I shall fear no evil for thy rod and thy staff some people over there quiet that's all right yeah yeah I, I, and you want the people to be able to quote these scriptures and tell you where they are but many of the people that know these scriptures to heart don't know the god of that scripture welcome to the life experience a broadcast brought to you by life worship center where we're led by a dynamic duo bishop denzel and robin Wood. we are a church that lives in love operates in integrity walks by faith and have been empowered by God. Stay tuned, there is definitely a life-changing word awaiting you. And now, here is Pastor Denzel with today's word. We have been teaching about the Holy Ghost. The Lord said this to us from the beginning. Those of you that remember, those of you that write down, from the beginning of this year, we spoke that we're going to believe God for an entire house to be filled with the Holy Ghost. How many of y'all remember that? We said that, that the house must be filled with the Holy Ghost. What has happened is the Holy Ghost is no longer important to the church. The Holy Ghost has lost importance. I, I refer often to this book by R.T. Kendall that changed my life. He says this in his opening sentences of this book. He says the danger with the 21st century church, no he didn't say 21st century because this was written in the 20th century. He says the danger with today's church is the Holy Ghost could leave and we could still do 95% of the things that we do. That we are so not engaging the Spirit of God that we can have business as usual outside of the Holy Ghost. That is scary that there was a people, there was a church that Jesus left here that couldn't function outside of the Holy Ghost. So much so that Jesus says, don't you leave Jerusalem, don't you start church until you get the Holy Ghost. Don't start it till you have the Holy Ghost. But now today, we have churches filled with people, filled with money, all kind of stuff going on, but no Holy Ghost. If there is no Holy Ghost, it's not a church. I'm going to say it again. If there is no Holy Ghost, it's not a church. It's a gathering of people. It's a club. It's a society. It might even be a lodge. But in order for it to be the church, it must have the Holy Ghost. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So this teaching that we've been doing, and, uh, and the wind of God is going to blow today, and I'm believing that some of you that have not yet been filled with the Holy Ghost, before I'm done in the next few minutes, you're going to be filled with the Holy Ghost today. Someone say, I believe that. Now, there got to be expectation before there can be any reception. One more time. There must be expectation before there is reception. So we have been talking, glory to God, we've been talking about these brethren um, that Paul ran up on in Ephesus. Paul runs up on them, and I told you, uh, and you can see it in the text, I can break it down to you in the text, but we ain't got that kind of time, I'm going to go a little further this morning. But there was desire, expectation, and then there was the baptism uh, into Jesus, and then they were filled. Understand this, whenever there's desire and expectation, when you start off with those two, there will always be a meeting of your need. God will always meet your need when there's desire and expectation. Anyone that desires the Holy Ghost and expects the Holy Ghost will receive the Holy Ghost. 
I must say it again. Anyone that desires and expects, I have to tear down the paradigm that has been built by years of church that has given you all kind of hoops that you've got to go through in order to get the Holy Ghost. As though the Holy Ghost don't want you to have him. And as though he doesn't want to have you. You will never, you will never desire the Holy Ghost more than the Holy Ghost desires you. I must say it again. You will never desire the Holy Ghost more than the Holy Ghost desires you. Huh. Now, what is crazy is many of us, we want the Holy Ghost, but we won't tell the Holy Ghost how to function in our lives. Because we kind of scared, like I want the Holy Ghost, but I don't want that tongues thing. I want the Holy Ghost, but I went to my Grammy church at Get Island, and when they had the Holy Ghost, people was falling on the floor. I don't want that. You worrying about small things. It's like saying, I want plenty of money, but I don't want my pocket to be bulging out. What, what I promise you, somebody right now, you'd walk in, you ain't got no car, you ain't got nothing, and they have a briefcase full of money and say, listen, I ain't got no bag to put it in. Um, you, you, you don't want it? You would stuff that in your shirt, in your pants, you will plait it in your hair. You will do whatever you got to do because you, you ain't leaving that money here. And that's the thing, whatever comes with the money, you're willing to take it. God Almighty. Whatever comes with the money, you're willing to take it. But many of us, we have reservations regarding the Holy Ghost and its value so much more than money. So you need to get in the place where you say, Father, however this thing... Because understand this, the disciples had no clue what was going to happen in the upper room. They had no clue how it was going to manifest, but all they said is, is if Jesus got it for me, I want it. And that must be our mindset regarding the Holy Ghost. Forget what your demeanor is now. There are people who say the Holy Ghost is a gentleman. He is, but sometimes he's very rude. Because the Holy Ghost, but he'll never, he, he will lightly come upon you. No, no, that Holy Ghost is, is, is I ain't gonna lie, sometimes it's make you look bad. Like this morning in the first service, it had this big dude, I'm a big guy, had this boy stand up here crying. And embarrassed me in front of my children crying for no reason uncontrollably and then it got to a moan in the cry and you know like when you cry and it's not moaning like lord jesus and i was trying to stop it and the more i breathe in deep the more it come out heavy because the, the the holy ghost he wants dominion over your life but you gotta surrender to him for that dominion to take place are y'all with me y'all still here okay let's move a little deeper now so as i as i Look at the scripture. We have been endeavoring to fulfill those three things. We told you there needs to be desire. We've been trying to create a desire on the inside of you. There needs to be expectation. We've been trying to show you how real it is so you can now expect it. But the last thing that happens in the text is something that I cannot do for you. I can build desire and I can build expectation. However, the whole idea of being baptized, you got to partner into that. Now, we got to explain what baptism is because the church has given us an understanding of baptism that is very surface. In last service last week, uh, last week we went deeper here, but I want to travel here again because uh, the church has created a lot of structures, a lot of physical manifestations that have hidden the true spiritual underlying principle. This place that the church is now in where we put all the weight on the look, all the weight on the act, 
and we forget the principle. There are things that we do, uh, and let me read it again because I forgot how I read. It says this, it is so important that we do not allow the outward representation to carry more significance than the spiritual actualization or the spiritual reality of the thing. All right, let's talk, let's make that make sense. Um, we do this thing called water baptism. That's the outward expression. But the true spiritual meaning to water baptism, we don't really understand. We do this thing called communion. And it's a religious expression that we engage ourselves in, but the spiritual actualization, the spiritual principle underlying communion, many of us don't engage in. We do this thing called tithing. There are persons that don't come to this church. We don't see them. But someone told them a tithe a day keeps the devil away. They're trying to rebuke the devourer. So what they do is, they send their 10%. They can send that because they want to rebuke the devil. Don't worship, don't live right, don't do nothing, but you can send that tithe. Tights. T-I-T-E-S. And they can make sure that tights go to church. Religious. Um, for many of us, Praise and worship has become religious. There's no depth to it. There's no spiritual truth, no spiritual reality underlying it. It's just something you're supposed to do in church. The clothes that we wear, this is where, this is where the trouble started last time. Right here, right here. This is where I got in trouble in the first service. Let me go another way. I see it, I see it. Let me walk around it and go this way. Let me go this way around. See, there is always a principle underlying the practice. But you got to be very careful when the practice takes more significance than the principle. That is very dangerous. You all, I'm sure you all heard this story before. This is an old story they use all the time. That there was this family um, that uh, they always cut the ends, and this is a good time of the year, off the ham. They would cut the ends off the ham. That's what they did. They, they burn it, skin it, and then cut the ends off. And then they bake it. That was passed down. And then one young person, someone like a Naya, you know them young children, they just sharp on their mouth, they rude. So one young person, something like Naya, comes up and says, uh, why are we cutting off all that good ham? And we say, Naya, you're just rude. You like ask questions, shut up and just do what we tell you to do. Naya says, no, this the, that ham could eat. Why are you cutting off the end of the ham? So then Naya gets upset. And because daddy don't answer, she go to Grammy Lura. Grammy Lura, this is good ham. This ham ain't do nobody nothing. This good eating ham. Why? Y'all has cut the ends of the ham off. That's the practice. Grammy Lewis say that's what you're supposed to do, child. And so now, now you go and call an elite. Over in Florida, that's, that's Lewis' sister. An elite, please. She named Auntie Elite. We just put it together, one word, an elite. <laughs> elite is her name. She's Auntie. One word, an elite. So you call an elite, an elite. Why in the world? An elite says, Naya, let me tell you. What happened was, when Grammy used to do ham at Christmas, Grammy had a small pan. And the ham couldn't fit. 
in the small pan. So what Grammy did was cut the ends off so the thing could fit. It wasn't nothing wrong with it. And now you get pan big so and you're still cutting the end of the ham because you have followed the practice and you've forgotten the principle. That is what church has done is that we cutting off good people. Because they all oh got it coming. Because they don't look like us, they don't act like us, they don't dance like us. And so what we do, we cut them off because someone told you this is how you're supposed to dress. This is how you're supposed to shout. You ain't supposed to if you're a man, you can't wear earrings because that is the devil. If you if you use a woman, you can't color your hair, you can't use no perm, Lord Jesus. Some of them don't use no perm. You keep it natural because perm is witchcraft. <laughs> you don't put on no makeup because the makeup, the Bible says that they won't be dressing modest apparel you dressing like a jet we would give you a spirit we call you a jezebel spirit because you're wearing makeup lord god because you put a little vaseline on your lip so now you got a spirit you got a demon because you're fixing your hair and straightening it out and lord god Then when you ask some questions, you find out that Grammy wanted to wear makeup, but she couldn't afford it. Hmm. They quote scriptures on you. Man should not wear that that pertaineth to a woman. Neither should a woman wear that that pertaineth to a man. And my question to you is, have you ever been cold before? Mm-hmm. So we put all this weight, you know. I, I, if, if this is an old, this is a young church, so I, I I don't have to do this, but I'm just doing this for y'all, just for y'all benefit, for information's sake. Uh, in, in the, when I do this to old churches, I like to go down this road. They don't like when I go down this road. I like to talk about those people who so caught up in practice. You know, the people who is where they had the church. That's practice. Now, if you if you're a woman, you gotta wear a hat. And if you don't wear no hat, you, you, you allowing that seductive Jezebel spirit. I know people who don't dark the doors of the church. You hear, you hear that? Dark the doors of the church without a hat on. Because when you're saved, the Bible says a woman shouldn't prophesy with her head uncovered. Yeah, Lord Jesus. I, we used to go to churches, and if the choir going to sing some churches, on the way up, they had hats on reserve. And as you walking up, man, y'all don't know, man. This, I don't, Lord, y'all, y'all know that, man. I know but this. Our church choir going to sing, and the young girls ain't got to know hat. As they walk up, the other people stand out there with a little handkerchief put on your head. We call the name Doily. You put that silly thing on your head. That is practice. That ain't principle. The principle is, that's only an outward expression. The true principle is, if you're married, honor your husband. Because the principle was, is that your hat on your head showed that you were in submission to someone. So you're raunchy, you're, oh God, I came it wrong. You're loud, did I say raunchy? That's what I meant to say. You're raunchy, you're loud, you ain't got your own subjective to your husband, you don't listen to nobody with instruction, but you got a hat on, your hat condemns you. Yeah. 
Too much? There are a lot of churches where the woman don't even take the light off. You wear it at the church and you don't even clean up the house. You, 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 don't, you don't celebrate your husband, but you celebrate your pastor. You don't speak life over the man that God gave. Hold on. Whoa, whoa. You don't speak life over the man you picked. But you will come here and celebrate Robin, man. You didn't know. You call it a pin. <sighs> no, see, we we gotta we get this thing upside down. So we so putting so much weight on the outside, and for, and don't even know that there's a principle underlying that is more significant. Watch this. Jesus, Paul says this. Paul says, it is my job to make sure Christ be formed in you. Paul says, my job is to make sure Christ be formed in you. Not long dress be found on you. That's what the book says. The book says, my job is to make sure Christ be formed in you. And see, understand this, that if Christ be formed in you, over time, over time. See, the problem is when you rush people to do this and do the other, then you leave the principle and you cause them to get caught up in the practice. So what it is now, they look right but living like hell. Because as I look through the church with all those long dress wearing mothers of Zion, and I look at all of their children. I realized there was some long dress going high up in there. Yeah, because, because, because them and the husband celebrating 41 years of marriage. But three months ago, we celebrated their eldest child's 47th birthday. So if you've been married for 41 years and he's 47. 41 years, day 47. The, af, the math. And last I checked, you ain't no widow. See, see, this, I want to tear this thing down. See, Paul says something in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He says, right about verse 3 or 4, somewhere there about finding it, Shani. I can say it and you can find it. He says, I don't want to know nothing about you. Save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Pastor, you mean you don't care about how they dressed? No, I don't. Let me say it officially. I do not care. I do not care. I want to know that they're living before God. They're living right. Because understand, fashion has changed. 
Living right don't change though. Parenthetically, let me say this, that I got some pictures of some older saints back in 71 and 72. I, and I should put some pictures on the screen. Because some of these mothers are wearing long dress now. In the 60s and 70s when Minnie was in fashion, they was minty right up. And now the fashion has changed. And now it'll come full circle. Watch this man. These brethren in these tight pants. The brethren in tight pants. I got pictures. I got pictures of my daddy in one brown suit. I mean, <laughs> and then when he hit the calf, just flare open. Come on, man. I mean, I think that's a hair tight here. But when you get down to the rib, rib, rib here. Yeah. <laughs> Is there any word? Let me take a final word somewhere inside here. So watch this, man. You cannot, you cannot get to the point where you put so much emphasis. Because we, let's put first things first. The re- Watch this. You know the people around Jesus says, you hang out with wine bibbers? You hang out with wine drinkers and a bunch of publicans? That suggests to us that even though those people were transformed, they didn't change nothing. Oh. If they had changed their lives and were looking like the apostles and the rest of the people, they wouldn't have said that Jesus hang around wine bibbers. So obviously there are people around Jesus who still haven't changed their life yet. Are you missing this? Are you getting what I'm saying? There had to have been people who were still not being transformed yet. Still were still have little dipping, just like y'all, still dipping and dabbling. But were getting their life together. And so our job is to make sure Christ be formed. Let's bring this back to the Holy Ghost. The principle of baptism is not dipping in water. The principle of baptism is being immersed in Jesus. And I believe, now that I'm, I'm getting this understanding, I believe we put people in water too fast. I used to think you should put them in water right away. But now I'm really getting to the point, Dwayne, where I believe we need to make sure they dip in Jesus first. Because the outward is only confirmation of the inward. And if ain't nothing happen internally, you ain't, magic don't happen when you go in water. I went in the water in Montague, and I ain't gonna lie, I didn't feel no different. I was cold. Because back in my time, they used to do baptism like five o'clock in the morning. And I gone in that cold water in Montague. And I stepped in the water, and the water was cold. And it chilled my body and my soul. And I can tell you the truth. I did the baptism, but I ain't gonna lie, I didn't really feel nothing afterwards. Because all I knew was baptism is something you're supposed to do. I didn't understand the true definition of baptism. It means to be plunged into Jesus. And let me tell you this. This is what happened in this text in, 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 in Acts 19 and whatever verse it is, whatever the verse is, that says, and he baptized them in Jesus' name. This was not some outward ritual. 
It was an outward ritual. What it was, was they were submerged, immersed in Jesus. How do you get immersed in Jesus? Three, three ways. Word, worship, prayer. Word, worship, prayer. Whenever you immerse in worship and word and prayer, you are now plunged into Jesus. And it is from that moment that you are now available. You are in a position to be filled. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Y'all still here? All right. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to run this. God, I wish I had time to, to really tie in Mary here. Because one of the, the idea, the idea of being baptized is this, that when you, go, when you are baptized into something, you lose your identity and you take the identity of the thing that you're baptized in. Let me say it again. When you are baptized into something, you lose your identity and you take on the identity of the thing that you're baptized in. Uh, for example, I can use Brother Brooks again. Brother Brooks is a police officer. That's what he is. If someone comes into here and commits some crime, even though Brooks is off, if they find out Brooks was here, they're going to question Brooks and say, Brooks, what happened? Brooks, I know that I've been church. I have been no attention. I off today. No, he was baptized into the police force. As a result of his baptism into that institution, he is never off. There is this thing called the Hippocratic Oath that doctors take. Whether they are on or off, if someone, if there's a doctor in this room and someone begins to have a seizure, they have an obligation whether they are off or not because they were baptized into that profession. They have an obligation to respond. Thank you for tuning in to The Life Experience. You've been listening to a portion of a message from our pastor, Bishop Denzel Rule of Life Worship Center. We invite you to join us at any of our weekly services held at the C.H. Reese Auditorium, located Mini Street, just off of Robinson Road. For more information on our ministry, visit us at facebook.com slash the life experience or Instagram, hashtag LWC Bahamas. You can also contact us at our office, 6015125 We look forward to seeing and hearing from you. Join us every weekday here on Glory 93.9 FM. Until next time, have a life-filled day.